0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Always Moving Podcast. I'm your host, Lyndon Savanto, and wouldn't you know it, we've made it to episode two. Somehow we haven't been cancelled yet. Um, Keyword being yet, of course, (laughs) because my dogs are barking, which obviously means, uh, yeah, we'll see how this goes. People, uh, People were upset by episode one. That's not true. Actually, I received a lot of positive feedback from the people who listened. So thank you to everyone who listened to episode one. I hope you'll enjoy episode two and everything that comes after that. Uh, Hopefully soon we can get some guests on. Start just chatting. You don't always have to hear about me, but hell, I think I'm pretty interesting. Uh, Before I delve into the story that I want to share with you today, uh, I want to give a quick little update on my fantasy team. Uh, we suck something fierce. Yeah, we're uh, we're not good. Another 0-2, or not another 0-2, 0-2 start with another loss. But uh, if it's a redraft league, my suggestion, if you're 0-2, just take a deep breath. Trust the guys you drafted. You drafted them for a reason, so be patient. If you're in a keeper league or a dynasty league, Maybe try to shop around the guys of value that you don't plan on keeping. See what you can get. I went fishing a couple weeks ago and I caught like 8 to 10 fish. So, I don't know, cast a line out there with uh, your guys of any value and see what you can get. Maybe that will work. Maybe it won't. (laughs) Um, So, anywho, what got me thinking about the story I want to share with you today, actually, it started at my work and then once uh there's a certain line that my boss said to me that just really got me thinking and then it kind of stormed from there so we had to drive five and a half hours five hours ish I wasn't exactly looking forward to driving up with my boss for five plus hours but it was pretty good we we shot the breeze told each other stories kind of were where we started what we've done and everything and I was I got to telling about a trip to London I took with my friend Daryl and this we were at Abbey Road it was just Daryl and myself and we wanted to get the picture of us crossing the street as if we were the Beatles but there was only two of us so we were standing there's all these tourists everywhere and we're just kind of like hey who wants to be in the photo? And these two Italian guys are like, yeah, yeah, we do or whatever. So myself, Daryl, and these two random Italian guys crossed the road at Abbey road and we got the picture taken. And then I sent it to them in their emails and stuff. And it was, it was super cool. Like we all, they were set at two. We were set at two. We all wanted that photo. So we got it done and it kind of works. Just shouting out into a group of tourists might help you out sometimes. So maybe jot that one down too. Um, after Abbey Road, we wanted to go to Sherlock Holmes' door into the the Sherlock Holmes Museum and stuff. So right as we, we finished taking our photo at Abbey Road, we walk up to a street light, and there's a Rolls-Royce Phantom. Like, I'd never seen one in person. He, the Phantom stops the light. We, like, we just go, we're like, man, look at this car. This is nice. And then the guy, he has rolled his window down. I don't know how the conversation got initiated, but before we knew it, we were in the back of this Rolls-Royce Phantom, and this guy was driving two strangers, two potentially gross-looking backpackers, from Abbey Road to Sherlock Holmes' door. And when I told this story to my boss, he's like, now I don't believe that one. And it it just kind of hit me, like, man, that would be a great tattoo, or Something along those lines, but for myself as a storyteller, someone who's done a lot of things, the second someone tells you one of your stories is un—they don't believe it. It's unbelievable, and it is. It's—I have no reason to lie. I've got a lot of stories, so I'm not going to tell you any fibs. So once he said, "I don't believe that," I just kind of had this grin—the shitty eating grin—on my face, like, "Yeah, yeah, it's been a good ride," but. It was true. The guy drove, he picked us up for some reason. Nice guy, picked us up in his Phantom. Nicest car I've ever been inside. And he drove us and dropped us off at Sherlock Holmes. And it saved us, it's not that close between the two, so it saved us some time. And yeah, it was uh, was a cool experience. So that got me thinking this morning about what would I want to share with you guys, a story that kind of fits into those lines Something that seemed unbelievable, but it was true. And then I was like, okay, maybe that's... Do you ever live a moment where it feels like exactly like a movie? Where it's like, man, I wish that was filmed because I would love to rewatch that in my life. That happens to me all the time. (laughs) Not all the time. I don't live that exciting of a life, but sometimes I'd rewatch some chapters, some, uh, some scenes. So this one that I want to share with you today, uh, it still sticks with me, and it came at a a confusing and interesting part of my life. So, and it felt exactly like a movie, and I can picture it all now. I could see it scene by scene. I could refilm the whole thing, and this happened almost two years ago now. So, I was living in France in Auray. Which is on the west coast, um, the west coast of France in the area of Bretagne. So for Canadians, it kind of looks like the Maritimes, like it's right along the ocean. There's steep cliffs and, well, not really steep cliffs, but cliffs and rocks and the water and the ocean coming in. And everyone there is kind of like fishermen, or they have the the typical striped like black and white striped shirt that maybe some stereotypical Frenchman would wear in a, a Bad 80s comedy or something like that. This was the area I lived in and it was beautiful. I absolutely loved it When I'd finish work, I would my job was five in the morning to 11 uh, In the morning and then I would if I didn't have practice or whatever, I would just go to my Google map Point it out and just take a bike. I borrowed from my guy on my team and I would just ride for 20K, 30K, exploring this whole amazing region. So I'm in Auré and I'm, This is a year had passed between like the last time I really spoke any French. Because I lived in France in Poitiers for two years. And then I moved to Australia. And then I moved back home for like a month or two. And then I got an offer to go to France or whatever. So this is how I end up in France again. And my, I was pretty proud of how my French speaking was going. Like I was getting it, it was coming back quicker than I thought it would. But at the same time, my limited amount of conversation, I was living on my own and I just kind of had the the urge to speak English with people. So I kind of went online and I, I looked around for maybe there's groups or What not I could find and it was actually on a dating app. I found a girl from Australia, which I just came from. So I'm like, okay, I hope she matches with me. And then we could just chat like I just want to hang out and chat with someone in English. Like I'm just (laughs) I just want to shoot the breeze, as I've said twice now. Shoot the cheese, shoot the shit, however you want to phrase it. I don't know where you're from, but that's up to you. So anyway, we do match. And we just get to talking and it was just, it was so nice. She had come from Australia to visit her mom in Kimper. So it's not overly far on the train, but she came to this area where I was to visit her mom for Christmas. And she just kind of was the same thing, like wanting to hang out with people and just kind of experience some more time in France with the people you can speak english with but she spoke good french so wasn't too much of a concern so eventually we talk for a while we go back and forth and then we decide okay let's meet up one day like let's do this before she has to go back she's leaving right after new year she's going back to australia which kind of sucked because <laughs> that was my english one of my english friends leaving so anywho we plan to meet and i'm kind of like this is the first time i've gone to meet a girl like a date or anything in over a year at that point something like that so so i go to meet i get on the train and we decide to meet in lorient so it's like the biggest city that's closest to me so we decide to meet in lorient and i'm kind of nervous i'm like okay like what's gonna happen like maybe I'm getting catfished and then I'm going to get robbed and I don't have much money. So they're going to be disappointed too. And I don't want to let other people down too. So I took out as much cash as I could out of the bank machine, just so if I'm getting robbed, it's worthwhile for them too. No, that part's not true. Um, Anyway, so I get off the train in L'Orient and she, she's a pretty girl. But one thing that really sticks out is she has a lot of like real poofed up hair like, curly, almost like an afro kind of thing, so it's like, you could tell it's her when you go to meet her. So I get off the train, I'm like, okay, gotta run to the bathroom quick, and then we'll meet up, she's gonna be here any minute now. As I'm going to the bathroom, she steps out of the women's bathroom, and it's like, oh, hey, you're here, and it was just, all of a sudden, that's how we meet, just rush into each other. So then I'm like, wow, I really gotta go to the bathroom. I wasn't stalking you, I just had to go to the bathroom. So instantly, we kind of have this funny icebreaker which already boom rom-com right to your head right so then we go out and she's been to Lorient before i've never been it's kind of a big city it's like a port city uh so it's all based along the water as it is there's an old military base and a lot of shipping yards and whatnot so she wasn't a big fan of logeo before i've never been there again so we just kind of she's like where do you want to go like let's just walk around walk around chat See where it takes us. So we leave the train station and we just walk around, go through the park. And the conversations were the best part. She talked about her studies and political sciences, where she's been. She'd been traveling around the Middle East. And we talked about Australia. And then we go through this park and uh, I'm like, okay, here's the part. I'm going to show off my uh, expertise here. We get to like a, a playground with like the rubber ground. So if you've seen whatever, like the hard rubber ground of a playground and I'm like, yeah, I've been building playgrounds in Canada lately. I put on a tough guy voice too. You know, you gotta, you know, you gotta act the part. (laughs) But, uh, so I'm like, yeah, you know, this stuff's kind of kind of sucks to put out there and if it rains then it'll bubble up and it doesn't really stick and she just like burst out laughing and we both just burst out laughing cuz it's like who gives a shit this is stupid rubber unless you're building playgrounds or you own a school who cares so we share this laugh we're talking about it and then she constantly throughout the day would bring it up randomly like oh how's like laying this what's going to happen if it rains on this and it's like it was good it felt it felt really nice and so then we went for a crepe in the town, in the city. We we have a crepe for lunch. And then we're just like, let's just keep walking around. This has been fun. And the our conversation ranged from gun control, comparing it to Canada, France, Australia, and then just always, obviously, you look at the U.S. when you talk gun control and like, well, this out is here, this out is here, like, what are they doing here? And then immediately after goes into PlayStation 1 games we played as kids. So she's playing like, Harry Potter and these games coming up, and I'm like, oh, Bugs Life or Crash Bandicoot, and then we're just talking video games, which was super cool. So then the we stumble across, we come across the path, and it becomes this old, abandoned, like, military barracks, and it's all locked up, and there's big walls around this fort, essentially. So we walk down. By the way, I'm like, hey, maybe we can get in this. Like, let's let's live dangerously. Let's go inside. And she was she was skeptical the whole time. She's like, what if they think we're terrorists and then we get deported and we can't come back to France? And I'm like, well, this never crossed my mind for a second. But I guess you know that's a thing. So we go, we come around the water to the back of this fort, and there's like a short fence, and we we have to climb up. So I had I would have to help her up get up and over these not overly tall concrete walls, but they were, they're not just the most subtle, easy wall to climb over. So anyway, she's like, she's contemplating like, I don't know if we should do this, like we can get in trouble trespassing, and then they might think we're something else, because it's a old military base, or whatever it is, and I'm like, hey, we're here, When when's the next time you're going to be in Lorient with me? Let's, let's, do this, let's make it crazy, let's go, so she ponders it for a bit, she kind of almost, like, do, does that, like, chew on her finger type thing, doesn't chew on her fingers, because she's not gross, and then she's like, you know what, fuck it, let's do it, I'm like, okay, I climb up the wall, I'm first one up and over, you know, just in case there's trouble on the other side, I can protect us, <laughs> or die, one of the two, <laughs> so I climb up over the wall, and then I put on my hand, Aladdin style, and she grabs it. I didn't say you trust me, but we we knew that line was in the atmosphere, like we knew. So I pull her up, we go up over to the side, and it's this old abandoned place. There's all these smashed in buildings, graffiti everywhere, like anarchy, A's paint, spray painted on the walls. We're going like, oh, this is pretty cool. But it's also like kind of creepy because maybe there's crazy homeless people or These anarchists are going to eat us alive. Whatever's going to happen. So then we're going. We're walking around these abandoned buildings inside this old military base. And then you just hear, like, kind of some rocks move. And then you hear, like, some people laughing. And immediately in my head, I'm thinking Mad Max. I'm thinking any post-apocalyptic movie where the chuds are going to come out and just beat us to death. So we're kind of like, okay. We go against the wall. We peek around the corner like we're in some action action film. And then we're like, okay, let's proceed. And then we see the people, younger people, like maybe 18 to 22. And it's like, okay, maybe we'll just avoid any kind of contact with them. We'll stay to our side, keep them at bay. And it's like walking, walking, walking. And then one of them sees us and it's just like, oh, no, (laughs) like, here we go. Now Lindy's in for a fight. And they're just, we just kind of wave like, hey. And then they, they just kind of wave. And that was it. So our hearts are kind of like pumping. But it's just like we're living in our own head. So we leave the fort. And then we go back, head back into town. Conversations continue. We talk about gypsies. And we talk about just everything in general. Anything you could think of, we we covered. So we get back into town. We're like, yeah, well, let's go for a Christmas beer in town before we have to catch our trains Uh, because there was a limited amount of trains that day going either way. So her town where her mom lived was west, and I was east of Lorient. And so we go to this bar in kind of the heart of Lorient. There's the Christmas villages, the traditional European Christmas villages set up. There's a skating rink, there's rides. There's the the roasted macarons and the the heated, the mold wine. So we are like, okay, we'll go to this pub and we'll just chat a bit, get a beer, and then we'll just see how it goes. So we get the Christmas beers. We kind of look, we're like, okay, like chatting, 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 and it's like, oh, shit, our train's in 15 minutes or 10 minutes or something, and the train station's not even close to where we, we are. So then... We're panicked. We're like, oh, okay, I gotta pay. I gotta pay. Like, You start going because your train's first and whatever. So she starts running and then I go to pay for the drinks and then I burst out running. And then eventually we're both sprinting down different roads of how we're going to get to this train station. And then we cross paths in the middle of kind of like a main street. She comes off some side street and then we're both sprinting up the middle of this path. Well, not path like a main road. And there's just families out enjoying their Christmas and we're in full sprint trying to get to this train station. And then we get to the train station and it was this awkward, like, I really wanted to kiss her, but I don't know if I should. It was like that moment. And if you were watching this movie and you saw the chemistry throughout the day, you're just like, Oh, come on, Lindy, make your move, be a man. And it was just like, she got on her train. And we, we never shared the climactic kiss at the end of the movie. She got on her train headed East. And the second the doors closed, I never saw her again. We still talk sometimes, but she went her way. I walked around on the train platform, waiting a little for my train. And I think a security guy saw me and just kind of shook his head in disappointment that, uh, We never had that romantic kiss. So she took her train east or west. My train came. I headed east back towards Olay. And the whole time I'm sitting on the train, I'm just like, man, what an incredible day. And still one of the best days, just days of my life. Not because anything extraordinary happened, but because something extraordinary happened because it was, it was simple, but at the same time, it meant a lot to me at the time, The first time, just spending a day with a girl, after uh, a relationship ended, and we just, it was Christmas, I was living in France, barely speaking English ever, and she got on her train, and went west, and I got off of the train station in Oray, and my phone was dying and I'm just like like I have to call her or I gotta to talk to her or something then my phone died <laughs> so my my apartment from the train station is probably like 15 20 minute walk and the whole time I'm just I've just got this excitement I just want to sing and I want to sing and do 360s spinning with my arms all the way out twirling in the middle of the road and I just felt so good and that is why I never went back to L'Orient again. Um, It was such an incredible day. And it went perfectly. Kiss or not at the end, I think it's even better that it never did happen. Because there's always that question of what if, you know, what if? What if, Linda, you just went for it? But uh, it was the biggest city near me. And I was always exploring places, but I made it a mission to never go back to Lorient unless I'm going to meet her there. And if that's not the case, I spent one day in Lorient and it was magic. And that was a damn movie. (laughs) It just felt like a movie. Everything about it. I go go home, sit in my apartment. I sit down on my couch. I don't even plug my phone in. I just sit down on my couch and I just kind of big grin, big smile on my face. And it was, it was a damn Christmas miracle. (laughs) So anyway, that's where I'm going to leave it for today. That has been episode two of the Always Moving Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you make it all the way to the end, I'd love to hear your feedback. Any questions, anything from there. If not, this has been your host, Lyndon Savanto, and let's keep this thing moving.